Welcome to episode number 23 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name's Ann Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. Today, I'm sharing an interview I did with Amber Gilbert, who is a fellow advanced practice nurse and life coach. And I hope this will be supportive to you. I know that it will, because we talked in this conversation about so much, about why she got started, about how she tried out some MLMs, uh, about why coaching really spoke to her, and about what she does now for other working women. And I hope that this is a conversation that you listen to and it provides you with a sense of if it's possible for Amber and if it's possible for Anne, it's possible for me too. When we become advanced practice nurses, it's possible that some of us get into a very narrow mindset about what we can do as advanced practice nurses and how we can use our skills, our expertise, our brilliance, and our passion to create impact in the world, not only for those around us, but for our families and for ourselves. And Amber is a fantastic example of an advanced practice nurse who thinks out of the box and who isn't afraid to go out and take action and try things. So she will share her journey. And um, in this conversation, I think you will find a lot of pearls of how to get going, things to consider when you are getting started, the things that helped her, some of the vulnerable, from a vulnerable standpoint, she shares some of the things that made it, you know, hard when she herself was, um, you know, trying different options for creating a side hustle and, and trying to figure out her next path out of nursing. So, um, enjoy this conversation. Um, of note, this conversation is one in a series of many that I will be doing over the next, a few episodes where I will talk with other advanced practice nurses who, again, have taken something that they love and they have gone out and done something and created uh, something, you know, a little less traditional uh, than most of us think is available for advanced practice nurses. So, so buckle up, uh, listen in and enjoy this conversation uh, as, again, an example of what could be possible maybe for you too. So I, uh, I hope you guys like it. I, I think that you will. Okay, let's go. All right. Okay. So Amber, I'm so excited that you're here because we're going to talk a little bit about nurses living the good life. And I wanted you to come on this podcast because I have seen you over the past year. I was trying to think, actually, I don't know how long it's been since we've um, known each other, but I've seen you at least over the past year in my opinion, become an uh, advanced practice nurse who really takes steps to chart her own path, not only takes massive action to figure out what she wants and then to fucking go out and do it, but also then, you know, makes changes along the way. And so, and in my definition of nurses living the good life or what I think to be living the good life, I, that's a portion of it, which is like, we try things, we see if they work. You know, if they don't, we, we evaluate what worked, what didn't, and what do I want to do differently next time? Um, we use scientific method, just like we would for fucking PDSAs if we're at work. So, so welcome. And I'm so glad that you're here. First start by just, um, saying hello and tell people, um, a little bit about, you know, who you are and what you do. Sure. Thank you so much for that. You're about to make me get emotional over here. Um, but my name is Amber Gilber. I am a family nurse practitioner. Um, I am a mom of two littles. 
and I am also a life coach. Okay. When did you become a life coach? Tell me about this because I love this story and I think it's so fun. Um, when did I become a life coach? I don't, I guess I would say probably in the last year, because before you and I started working together, which it's been a little over a year, I had kind of heard about coaching and it was something that I was really intrigued and drawn to, but I think I had a little bit of like doubt and insecurity about it. And so I was trying other things. And then, um, after you and I started working together, I was like, yes, this is what I have to do, especially after seeing how it impacted my life so much. And so I would say over the past year, I've been kind of building up to this and then technically launched in the last six months. Yeah. Um, well, tell me a little bit about your background as an advanced practice nurse, how long you've been practicing. And, um, and then I want to talk a little bit about to kind of your the other endeavors that you have, you know, um, undertaken over the past couple of years. So when did you, when did you graduate? I graduated NP school, what was that, 2014. So it's, I've been working almost eight years now as a nurse practitioner. I started out in family medicine. And then for the last five years, I've been working in occupational medicine. Why did you go over to occupational medicine again? I can't remember. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of fell into it. I had been working in family practice and was just burnt out um, and feeling overwhelmed. And a job opportunity came up for an occupational health job that was right near my home. I was commuting at the time. Um, and so I applied just thinking, well, let's see what this is about. And I actually shadowed um, the other nurse practitioner that was kind of working at the facility as well. And I was like, I think I could really like this. And so I took the job and then um, I ended up really liking it. And at the time we were living in Arizona. And when we moved back to Iowa a few years ago, I just sent out emails. Hey, I'm moving back to the area. Are there any jobs? And there was an off-med opening. I thought, well, it's meant to be. That's what I'm already doing. So I've kind of fallen into it and it's, I love it. So, and why do you love it? Why, like, what's different? I mean, I, my, I have a limited knowledge of Ahmed and what it's like. And then, so yeah. tell me a little bit about what's different. Number one. And number two, do you guys go off of RVUs for occupational medicine or? At my current job, not necessarily. They want to try and work that in, but it can be hard because sometimes the volume will really fluctuate because Primarily what I do is a lot of um, employment type physicals like pre-employment, you know, just to essentially say they're qualified to do a job or some companies will ask for annual or periodic physicals, you know, as health maintenance. Um, I do DOT physicals, but then I also do a lot of work comp injuries. And so sometimes that, you know, the volume fluctuates depending on are a lot of people getting hurt, time of the year, you know, hiring practices going on. And so at least for my company, and also it's been newer for them to have advanced practice nurses. So I think they're trying to figure out that piece. So I don't know what other places do, I guess, either. I kind of like that because I think you know, we were, I was just, uh, went to dinner with a couple of um, my old colleagues and we were talking about just the churn, right? Like of when you get into an RVU based model and you just 
the goal is to churn patients out and to get them in, get them out. And, and it's so, you know, so many places, not only are, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of us on compensation plans based on our productivity, um, and with incentives to be more productive, but, you know, it's just this, it's a constant monitoring system of like, how busy are you and how much more can we squeeze out? And I, you know, I wonder sometimes for the non-RVU driven, um, disciplines, whether it's Ahmed or, you know, um, I don't know, maybe, um, in some of the FQHCs, they are not as RVU driven. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the work-life balance is a little bit better. And I wonder if it's just easier for, you know, the thinking is like, oh, it's not so churn, 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 stay busy 25 to 30 patients a day, every fucking day. Like, I wonder if that's easier for people. Yeah. I think it is in a regard, because when I worked in family medicine, we did have RVU. Um, and I feel like because of that, I was able to hit like my base relatively easy, but I feel like there was then almost, you know, kind of that push to see more, see more, see more patients. Whereas when I've been working in occupational medicine, I feel like I'm able to kind of put up boundaries to not push myself past my limits because, you know, kind of that pressure is removed essentially. Yeah. I think that it's an interesting um, model. And I wonder too, sometimes like I, I was just talking with, um, another colleague about, you know, doing a coaching practice, right. And, and getting out of that model of 15 minute visits and moving into a space where you create your own practice. And then you say, well, how much time do I want to spend with the patient? Like maybe some patients, some may need 15 or 20 minutes. Some need a dedicated, good hour sometimes. And based on the level of exploration or, you know, um, the depth of the problem and the complexity of it, like they just, you know, we can spend more time with not everybody needs an hour, but a, a lot of people could probably benefit from it, especially at the beginning. And we were talking about how it's so nice to be able to have a private practice where you can create, and you can say, well, these visit, you know, I see, you know, some people for 45 minutes and I see most people for 60 or whatever, you can standardize it at one or the other, but you have that degree of control where, you know, you don't, you can set the boundary. Whereas in a traditional model, I don't know that you can, it's just it, right. Like if you have a boss who's like, you've got 30 slots, figure it out, like see the patients, submit the bills, yeah. do the work next, do it again tomorrow. Right come on back, you know, it gets old. So it does. And I, I think that's why there's so much burnout because you can't, you know, you're expected to meet these goals or meet these numbers or meet these markers, but then you can't actually spend quality time with your patients, you know, and people can't learn what they need to learn in 15 minutes, you know, And, you know, if you have to do anything else, and I think, I know for me, I realized that that was part of the reason I struggled a lot too, because I feel like when I was working as a nurse, you have more of that one-on-one time with your patients, the ability to interact and talk with them as you're, you know, doing your cares and everything else. Yes, sometimes it's more rushed than others, but I think then you, you know, you go into this healthcare system as an advanced practice nurse. And it's just like, boom, 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 boom. And we lose that, that caring piece that I think a lot of us went into the profession to do. 
Yeah. And you know, you and I are relationship builders. We know from Clifton Strengths, mm-hmm. we are, we leave with relationship building. And you, your top Clifton Strength of being restorative is, you know, it makes sense. Ahmed would be a good fit for you, right? Because you're literally helping people restore their function. Um, but I would agree in that for those of us who prefer to have conversations or maybe get into like actually knowing people and establishing Mm -hmm. trust with them and having relationships with them, that shit's not possible in 10 minutes or four minutes and 15 minutes. Um, well, maybe I should, maybe I, maybe it's, it's not that it's impossible, but I don't know that it's, it's as easy and I don't know if it serves them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's a, it's, it's a lot to jam into 15 minutes. Um, tell me about, so why then, um, why then do coaching? Cause I know, you know, like what sticks out to you about coaching? What have you borrowed from nursing? And what sticks out to you that's inviting and interesting about coaching or setting up a coaching practice? Tell me about that. I think for me, it's, you know, I went into, I became a nurse and also an advanced practice nurse because I'm a relationship builder. I, I truly love to help people and, you know, whether it's to improve their health, health or accomplish a goal. And I think like I was talking about what I was struggling with, or, you know, sometimes still do is not being able to have that relationship or the time with people. And so working with them as a coach, I'm actually able to sit down and have like one, one one-on-one time to talk with them, to help them, you know, with whatever goal they want to accomplish, whatever they're struggling with. So in a way, I feel like it's very similar to what I do as a nurse practitioner, you know, I'm sitting down and you're using, you know, you're using all the pieces of your job. You're like, give me your history. You're kind of making an assessment. You know, you're talking about what the current issues are and then let's formulate a plan to get you to where you need to go. And how can we make this better or, you know, make this work for you? So, you know, it's all the same processes. It's just in a different way. But for me, it's that relationship piece of it, that one-on-one quality time where I feel like I'm actually, you know, truly able to sit and talk with people and help them with what they need. Do you notice there's some enjoyment about not having the labs to do and not having to like, you know, the paper trail of path reports and, you know, messages and figuring out when they had last MAMs and all that shit. Like, do you notice that that feels like it's a relief when you're doing coaching versus working as an NP? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even I don't, I like with Ahmed too, I don't have to do as much of that stuff. I still have, you know, pieces of it, but yeah, because you're actually just able to sit and focus and you're not worried about what you need to chart or what you need to double check or what you need to click and, you know, make sure they had, you know, this lab or their PHQ nine done in the last year or Mm -hmm. anything else like that. It's just really focused attention on what they need. Tell me about some of your other business endeavors that you've done over the past couple of years and how you have been, how you have done, you know, your NP role and also done a couple of these other roles that have helped you kind of expose you to either being in a product-based business or a service-based business. Sure. So I have tried 
quite a few different MLMs. I actually did my first one a couple years out of NP school and it was, I wanted a way to make extra money to help pay off my debt because I didn't want to have to be burning myself out at work. And so I did like a health and wellness company because of course that would be, you know, right up my alley being in healthcare. Um, and then, you know, I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't have success, but I just felt like it wasn't aligned with me. Like it wasn't a good fit. Why? I, guess how the, I feel like how kind of the, the business is structured and how you're almost taught or expected to, what am I trying to say, build the business, I guess. It didn't, it just didn't feel authentic to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just didn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. It just didn't feel right. And, you know, and so then I, I kind of took a couple years off, but then I had my first child. And of course, then I'm like, I want more time at home, more flexibility, but I'm the breadwinner. We can't, you know, I couldn't afford to just not work or cut my hours. And so um, then over the last, you know, kind of the last couple of years before I started coaching, I tried, um, I ended up trying another MLM that other nurse practitioner friends or CRNA friends were doing. Um, And then I looked into, you know, kind of other online service-based businesses, but I was just, I was kind of trying different things, seeing essentially what happened is I would see someone that I thought, oh, well, they're having success with that. Let me try this. Oh, this person's doing this. Let me see if that would be a good fit. I was kind of trying all these things, like what would work for me? And that's kind of when I came to you. I'm like, I'm totally lost. I know I want to do something else, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is or where to start. How much money have you had to put a guesstimate on how much revenue you created for yourself doing MLMs? What was, you know, what, what was it to the tune of? I wouldn't say a lot, maybe a few thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. And what would you say you've learned? Cause I feel like you came into your coaching practice and you have a leg up in terms of social media marketing and, and just talking yeah. to people online, which I think I see for some, um, business owners, I think not as much for advanced practice nurses, because I think we do a lot of conversation, you know, having conversations. And so transferring that skill online seems to be like an easier transition to make, but for, for some of my clients who are not NPs or who don't, aren't already in some sort of a service-based industry, it seems like they have kind of a harder time getting up online and having that one-sided conversation on social media, but that didn't seem to be, does not seem to be for you an area where you're like, Oh my God, I can't do a post. Like <laughs> they're going to see me, you know, which sometimes some, many of us have, would you say that that was from the MLM work? Absolutely. Yeah. Because when I started my first MLM, I had a lot of that. Um, I mean, of course I still struggle now. It's more, you know, because I want to say the right things or, you know, I really want to put out good value, but I think trying those different MLMs or different businesses, I don't regret it. I feel like it was part of my journey and kind of my stepping stone to where I'm at, but I think it, I did learn a lot of valuable skills. I learned how, you know, I, to put myself out there and interact with people. And, you know, that was kind of my first exposure to personal development and mindset and thought work. And, you know, so that's, that also started this whole process of 
you know, self-improvement and self-love journey. Um, so I'm always grateful for that because I still learned a lot of really good skills. Yeah. And as a stepping stone, it is a, like, there's an approach, right? We talk in the coaching that I do, and you know, this. we talk about being intentional and being, um, you know, being the people who say, here's the goal, here's the vision. And then I'm going to go out and create that. And sometimes that, that is very helpful for some of us. And sometimes we just have to get going and do shit and try things and see what works and what we like and what we don't like. Right. Like I have one client, we were talking about it the other day, how she's like, I just feel like I keep doing things that are not, not for me. I'm like, well, it's, if you judge that as a failure, you will see that as not useful to you and not serving you. However, you could look at it and say, no, I just know more what I don't want. And every time I close a door to what I don't want, I make room in my life to open it up for what I do want. Um, and I, you know, cross things off the list. And every time I take something off the list, I get a little bit closer to, well, what's left. What do I want to do now? Right. Like it, it gives you some opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think a year ago, I kind of had that same feeling, like almost a little bit of judgment or beating myself up. Like I've tried this and this and this, and it's not working, but now I'm really able to look back at it as that was part of my path. It really helped me try different things to see what did and didn't work. Now I know that I'm truly doing something that is aligned with me that I love that I'm incredibly passionate about. And I feel like the thing is too, is you can always have the goal and the vision, like, you know, kind of where you want life to go. But yeah, sometimes, you know, it's going to be up and down or bumpy, or there's going to be different, you know, things you try and it doesn't work out, but it still helps you get to where you need to go. It helps you show, you know, learn things and show, show you things that maybe you didn't see or wouldn't have seen. Mm -hmm. And it keeps us moving. I think too, sometimes it's hard. It's so hard to get started. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that idea of inertia and then, you know, picking up some momentum, it's a lot easier to do that. I've noticed this in my own business just with Facebook ads, right? Like doing a Facebook ad, um, you know, six months ago felt like it was a fucking nightmare. I was like, Oh my God, this is so hard. You know, I just, I, I struggle with it. And then I got going and I started one and I, then I did another one and then I did another one. And now I just keep them going knowing full well that if I do that, just feels a little bit easier. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, we just keep the momentum going. We just, you know, keep iterating, keep getting a little bit better as we go. It's just like you said, I think you said it very um, appropriately, which is um, it's just a part of the journey. This is part of my journey. Um, Tell me about what it means to live the good life to you. That's a great question. I was thinking about this and I think for me, it's, it's really just living a life that feels aligned with me because a lot of my life I struggled with doing the things that I thought I should do or you know what maybe I'm expected to do because of you know my age or my gender or you know the schooling that I've had or maybe different expectations and that's where I was having a lot of like frustration and overwhelm and all the feelings. And so for me, it's about really just pursuing what is aligned with me, what is good for me, 
and being able to kind of let go of the rest of it, just truly like believe and trust in myself and what's best for me and my family. So what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Give me an example. (laughs) That's a great question. Well, um, right now it looks, well, eventually, I guess I wake up. I feel like before I used to kind of wake up and be very reactive to the day. Whereas now I am very intentional about being proactive and I have two small children who still don't always sleep very well. So it's hard to prioritize time when you have small children and you're working and everything else, but I have made it a priority to take time for myself at the beginning of the day. And what that looks like also even in the future is not feeling bad about prioritizing myself, not feeling bad about asking for help or saying to my spouse, you need to watch the kids because I'm going to go do this, you know, or like whatever else. So I think it just means like for me waking up every day and approaching the day with intention, but also not, I think that's it, not, you know, ever shaming myself or making myself feel guilty for asking for what I need or doing what I want to do. Mm -hmm. It's interesting in that I think when we talk about living the good life, there's this, and I, I talk about it too, which is that there's this idea of the good life is first class tickets and champagne and, you know, it's the trips to Hawaii or the trips to Europe. And, and, and I think there's a version of that for me, that is the good life. Like there is, there is, I think it's easier to live in this life with money. I decisions get easier, right? We know money is the source of the, the root of like the most common reason that people end up fighting in marriages or in, you know, partnerships and, and so it's, I, so I think it, it is easier to exist when, you know, not only basic means are met, but when you have financial stability and, and then even more so when you have financial wealth. And so I think about, you know, the good life as, you know, these kinds of things, right? Like again, the travel component and, and I also think, like you said, there's a component of like that is a version of the good life. That's one of, that's my part of my version. Right. And part of my other version is, yeah, it's waking up every day and it's, um, having an unbloated stomach, right? Like not right. Like my version of the, my version of the good life equals not having abdominal pain from Mm -hmm. gluten. It involves, you know, getting up and committing to walking. It involves listening to the birds chirp, when I am walking, it involves listening to audiobooks on 1.5 speed so that I fly through them and, and can, you know, and can multitask while I'm doing that. And so I think you highlighted something, which is that the good life can be available to you today. Like it doesn't involve a lot of money. It doesn't involve trips to exotic places and being on the beach. Like it's the whole idea of like, I'll be happy when. I'm sitting on the beach in Hawaii. Yes. And I will say, of course, yes, my version of the good life would, you know, would be, I have a full-time coaching practice. I'm able, you know, to wake up in the morning and 
you know, take my kids to, you know, school, but come home and work, pick them up early, have more time in the evening so it's less rushed. Yes, you know, debt is paid off. We're financially stable. We can take a trip when we want to. If we want to spend, you know, a certain amount of money on a purchase just because we want to, we can without, you know, the fear of like, how are we going to pay for this or what that, what's that going to do for money? Absolutely. I think what, however, like you were saying, is I also think about it in the other way too, because, you know, I think for a long time I was always like, well, when I get to this or when I get to this or when I get to this, that's when I'll feel happy or I'll feel better. So, but that's not necessarily the case. You know, you have to choose choose your happiness and decide that you're going to be happy even if you haven't you don't have all those things or if you're working towards them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too you you hit the nail on the head in terms of what we talked about, right? Like happiness it, it is available and it's available with, with your thinking today. Like you can, I was just having this conversation with my coach this morning about, she was like, we, we were getting going in our session and she said, wait, aren't you going to celebrate? Like, isn't, um, aren't we going to celebrate? And I was like, the fuck is there to celebrate? That was my initial thought. Right. And I was like, Oh, that's an interesting thought. Look at that. Like, what is there to celebrate? Like, wow. As if you aren't sitting in the life that you dreamt of years ago, years ago, I dreamt of being at home, working remotely, more flexibility in my schedule, um, you know, making, um, outpacing my clinical income. Like I, I dreamt of that. And, you know, here I was, I was like, what the fuck are, there's nothing like, what are we celebrating? You know? And she was like, Oh, oh, interesting. And I was like, yeah, isn't that an, an interesting thought? I was like, all right, what are we celebrating? And she brought something up that to me was felt small and maybe somewhat inconsequential, um, a win from last week. And I was reminded in that moment of, oh, right. I get to define if I am celebrating today. I don't, right. wait, I don't have to wait until my bank account hits a certain number. I don't have to wait until I'm, you know, again, on the beach, toes in between my sand with a cocktail in hand. Like I, I have access to that today, but it involves, like you said, making a choice to see it involves looking around and saying what, Oh wait, I can celebrate, you know, my post-it notes on the wall and all of these powerful thoughts. And I can celebrate, you know, my corks that are on my desktop that remind me of all of the, you know, the milestones I've hit in my business. Um, but it takes making that choice today. Right. Yes. And yeah, like you said, of course, you know, like I was saying too, I have those goals, those more, I guess, thing type goals. But I think what I've also learned with coaching is, yes, I want to achieve those goals, but I'm not going to tie everything to those goals. Because then I think you also have so many more ups and downs when you're tying like how you feel or your overall happiness or, you know, your good life to just simple things. Because then if it doesn't happen or something changes, you know, then it it's almost like you feel like it's all or nothing in a sense, or, well, now I don't have a good life anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The highs are high. They're, they're right. fantastic. And the lows are just, they are killer, you know, cause it's like, yes, anytime you base your worth or, you know, on your business or on 
whether or not you're flying first class versus, you know, economy, right? Like you base your worth on that. You will create some suffering for yourself. Mm -hmm. Neither bad nor good. It's just a question of whether or not it serves you. Right. Yeah. Um, talk about, tell me about kind of who, who you work with and why I'm curious about that. Of course. So I work with working moms. Um, and the main goal is I help them stop feeling insecure and start feeling confident. And a lot of that came from my own journey because of what I struggled with as a working mom and a lot of doubt and insecurity. And as I mentioned, you know, people pleasing or thinking I should be doing things instead of truly looking at what I need and honoring myself and doing what does or doesn't serve me, you know, whether that works for someone else or not. And so after how working with you and coaching has changed my life so much just in a short amount of time, I want to be able to help other working moms with that as well. Do you think that people would look at you and think that you were insecure or that you doubted yourself? Cause I wouldn't, I, you know, I mean, I, it, I think it's, <laughs> I, I can see it because I, and just from being a woman and a working advanced practice nurse, you know, for many years, and I can see that and because I can relate to it and I've shared in some of those feelings. And I just wonder, do you think people look at you and think like, oh, that Amber Gilbert, Dr. Amber Gilbert is so insecure. Like, I don't think they think that. Yeah. You know, I don't know that they do either because I think it's one of those things that you know, you've had it with other people, someone else will say something about themselves. And you're like, I never would have thought that, you know, I think it's people don't recognize that. And I think that's the other part of my passion with this is I feel like there's so many of us just almost suffering in silence. Like we think, you know, I think this is one of the things I talked to you about, like when we first started working together, and it wouldn't, I would get so emotional, because I felt like something was wrong with me. Like, I have this, I have that, you know, why am I not happy? Like, like, why don't I love this? Like other people do, you know? And, but the bottom line is, is, you know, nothing is wrong with me. Nothing was wrong with me. Like we all have these, these experiences and these challenges and we all go through these things, but, you know, we also live in a a society and culture that you know, kind of puts up this facade, like we all should just be happy and everything's great. And you need this, this, and this to be happy. And if you don't, then, you know, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. I think I also want to, you know, share more of that to let other women and moms know, like, no, this is normal. Yeah. Nothing's gone wrong here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Especially I think those feelings about, you know, being insecure and, and doubting yourself. Do you think, Now here's a question for you. Do those thoughts come up for you still? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, and that's one thing I've learned too, because I think there's also this thought, you know, like just one day you're not going to have to deal with it anymore. Like Mm -hmm. you'll find like, oh, I find the solution and now I'm fixed, but that's not the case. Like you have a human brain and a lot of these things have, you know, been the pathways have been strengthened for years you know long long time 
So these things are always going to come up. It's just about, you know, learning how to handle them and manage them and, and use them in a way that, that helps you. I think sometimes of the conversation I used to have with patients about weight loss, weight gain and weight loss, which was that, you know, and I, most of us don't gain 20 pounds over two weeks, unless we have some other, you know, complicating issue going on. Most of us gain weight over time, right? We know Americans in general gain, I think it's like three to five pounds on average every year. And so I, you know, I I used to talk with patients about weight loss and frame it and as a journey, right? We don't gain weight overnight. We sure as hell don't lose weight overnight, right? We, we, and I think there's a, I think you speak to a process of, you know, learned behaviors versus unlearning. And they both take time, takes time when you are a person who socialized for, you know, to believe that there's a certain way to raise your family. There's a certain type of work you can do as an advanced practice nurse. Uh, and, um, this is how it should be. And then you, you know, start to question that you become the person who's like, but wait, is that really true? Like, really? There's only one way I can be an advanced practice nurse, or there's only one way I can raise my family or, you know, and then when you start to question that, and then when you start that process of unlearning and decoupling all of those, you know, beliefs and assumptions and things that you just held to be true for many, many years, you know, that it just, it takes time. And it's the same thing with losing weight, like it, to become the person who is, does intermittent fasting, to become the person who's gluten-free, to become the person who says, no, no, I, I eat on protocol. (laughs) Like it takes some time. And even the people who get right to maintenance, right. When you get to your weight loss goals, there's still that give and take. There's still some of those like shit thoughts that come up about and the old patterns of like, oh yeah, I go in the kitchen and the cookies are on the counter and I eat them because they're there. No girl, we don't do that anymore. But the thought still comes up, you know, right. and it's normal. Um, but it is, it's a, it's a, that process of learning. And then that subsequent unlearning process, it takes time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think as healthcare, you know, professionals, we understand that because we see that in the work that we do and everything that we have learned, you know, it's like, okay, you wouldn't expect a patient who's been intubated and sedated in bed for a week to just jump out of bed and, you know, run out the door. Good point. But I think, but I think like when it comes to ourselves, we almost have a different set of expectations sometimes. Like, you know, we're not, we're not looking at it that way. It's kind of reminding ourselves like, yes, these things take time and it's more, you know, and I think that's the other thing too, is it is a journey, you know, even life, like it's, it's not some destination you reach and you have these things checked off the list and like now everything is great. And that's that, like, it's the whole journey and it's a whole process. Yeah. Ups and downs included. That's for sure. Um, how, so what do you offer right now? Like if somebody was like, I like this Dr. Amber Gilbert, she is right up my alley. What do you, what's your current offer that in the way that you support, uh, working moms right now? Sure. So right now I have a three month coaching program. So it's a one-on-one coaching program that we would meet once weekly and talk about all the things, essentially where you're at, where you want to go, what you're struggling with. And we would dive deep into that and then work from there. Okay. 
tell me if, you know, based on your experience of being now having a business and, um, and your experience of being in a couple of MLMs and knowing your journey of entrepreneurship, if we talk about that, the learning journey of becoming an entrepreneur and becoming someone who creates something or who contributes to something that's not her primary NP work. Tell me if, if you had to say to yourself like five years ago, um, you know, knowing what you know now, what would you tell your younger self uh, in order to support her on the journey? Sure. Uh, I think the first thing would be to believe in yourself and trust yourself. I think a lot of times maybe we know what we want to do or we know what is right for us, but sometimes other things steer us off our own path. So I think to really trust yourself and and kind of honor yourself. But then the other thing would be don't give up, keep going. Because again, it's it's a journey and a process. And I mean, even last year when you and I first started working together, I don't think that I ever would have imagined it I would be where I was at now, like how things have evolved or how, you know, I'm showing up in the world essentially. So I think it's just holding the belief in yourself and what you want and sticking true to that and knowing that, or, you know, believing or holding a faith that you will get there. You'll keep working towards that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. Keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. I think. Um, So, and I think too, um, you know, whether it's a side hustle or keep going and keep going, doesn't always mean keep going with the same shit you're doing that you, that you hate. No, no. Yes. Right. Keep yeah. going can mean keep going on your path to figuring out what it is you want. Yes. 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 You, you know, ha- you, you know how you want your life to look or maybe how you want it to feel. And even if you don't know exactly how to get there, you just start taking steps and keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> figure it out as you go. It's so true. Yeah. That's the, yeah. so true as the path of um, entrepreneurship, right? There, there are a million ways to make a business. There are a million ways to coach. There are tons of interventions, techniques, tools that you could use. Um, it's the same thing as it, you know, for us in clinical practice, there's you know, you could ask 10 nurses, how do you insert an I, an IV or how do you insert an IUD? And there would be variations, slight, maybe slight, but there would be variations in terms of the technique and how they set up their tables and, you know, um, and, but you can't get there until, unless you just keep trying to see which one works for you. Right. And, you know, you think about when you're in practice or clinical, if you have a variety of people you're learning from, that's great. You learn different techniques, but at the end of it, you have to just start doing it. And then, you know, maybe you use a variety of those things. You like one, you kind of make your own. And I think that's, that's kind of almost where, how I thought about my journey, or I think it can be the same for, you know, entrepreneurship or, or whatever else you can learn from the things you're trying or the people around you, but then, you know, you kind of, take and use what works for you to create your own. Yeah. How can people reach you if they desire to find you? Yep. So I'm on Instagram and my at Amber or sorry, at coaching with Am 
life coaching with Amber. Sorry. You just changed it, right? Life coaching with Amber. Yes. Um, Or Facebook, Amber Gilbert. That can reach me both of those ways. Uh huh. Good. Okay. All right. It was so nice to have a conversation with you and just to share your, and thank you for sharing. And I think just if nothing more, if, uh, just hearing you talk about having some of those fears or, you know, being the insecurity and having doubts and how normal it is. And I just appreciate you sharing that. Um, because I think that there are so many of us again, who just like you said, suffer in silence and, um, and, I I'm appreciative that you're a resource to, you know, those of us who are working moms and who are looking for some support, um, with coaching. I think it's a fantastic service to offer. Um, so I'm proud of you and it was, it was a pleasure to have you and to hear your story. Um, so if you are listening, go find Amber, go follow her on Instagram. We'll reach out to her in a DM. If you have questions. She's very approachable and she's super nice and, um, and she's super easy to talk to as you can see after having this conversation. So, um, so, okay. Good to see you and, uh, see you next time. Take care. Thank you.